As Laura said, we are uh, we're in John chapter four today. If you have your uh, Gospel of John Bible, I uh, hope hope you've accepted the twenty uh, one day challenge that I tossed out earlier. I challenge you all to read one chapter from the Gospel of John every day. Um, and and the cool thing is, you're coming up on day twenty one, which if I understand the moon and the, the calendar that it projects well, that'll be tomorrow. And uh, I also want to encourage you not to stop there. You could, you could start over and start back with John chapter 1 and, and read through it a few times. Uh, there's also some other things you could do, but I hope you've begun a habit of, of reading God's Word and uh, spending a little bit of time in it each day. And today we are in John chapter 4, and I'm going to get right down to it, and I'm going to read a little bit from Scripture. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. And so I, I don't be offended if I say something and you're like, hey, that's not in here. I'm trying to do some of this from, from memory. But I want to start out, John chapter 4, verse 1 uh, through like 3 or so says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, and then it's in parentheses, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again from Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. Now, here's the thing. Jewish people didn't like Samaritans. And so anytime they were going in this general route, it was quicker to go straight through Samaria. But because they didn't like the Samaritan people, they would actually walk around. So they would take a longer trip to avoid even going near these people. And, and so I, I just want you to think about that as we tell this story, that from the very beginning, there was intentionality on Jesus' part. He was going through Samaria. He wasn't going to go around it. He was going to go right into the heart of the unlikable people. And just that, that moment, those first few verses, I already am encouraged because sometimes I'm not likable. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> all right. I'm going to need some cue cards that I can flash up when you should say amen. <laughs> sometimes you're not likable. There you go. And, and yet Jesus doesn't divert around us. He comes straight for us. And, and again, this is John talking about his best friend. And, and, and I don't know that he understood it when it was happening, <laughs> but it's like my best friend walked right into the place where we don't even talk to those people. And in our world today, we get hung up with, oh, Jesus, was, you know, he, the tax collectors, and he ate with the tax collectors, and he ate with sinners, and, and he walked right into Samaria on purpose. So he comes to this place, this Samaria, and he comes up, to Jacob's well. And as he's sitting by the well, a woman comes up to get water. Now what makes this unusual is this is like a midday kind of thing. Typically back then, you would get water early in the morning when it's cool. You would take it back to your home. You would start doing your chores. and You would get water in the evening and in the morning. Nobody really went to the well in the middle of the day. But Jesus is near the well. And this woman comes to get water. And he says to her, will you draw me some water? And she says, 
First off, why would you speak to me? It was very clear that he was a Jewish man and she knew that Jewish people wouldn't speak to Samaritans, much less a Samaritan woman. And she says, why would you speak to me? Why would you ask me for water? And at this point, his disciples had gone away. And they'd actually gone on into the city to buy food. So he's by himself. And, and this woman asked him that. He said, why would you do that? Because you wouldn't deal with me. And Jesus says this. And he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said, sir, this well is deep and you have nothing to draw with. How can you give me water? And Jesus said, everyone who drinks of this water, referring to the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give them will never be thirsty again. The water I give them will become in him like a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty again or have to come and draw water. She almost got it. Give me this water so I don't have to come back here again. She doesn't like going to the well. She goes to the well in the middle of the day by herself because people don't want to be around her. We're going to get to that in just a second. But here's the thing. She's like, give me this water. I don't want to come to this well. And Jesus says to her, go get your husband and come see me and I'm going to give this water to both of you. I can only imagine at this point she kind of hung her head and said, I don't have a husband. To which Jesus said, hey, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the man you're with is not your husband. At that point, the woman says, I perceive that you're a prophet. (laughs) You ever have those moments where you're like, yeah, 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 and then all of a sudden God kind of lays something out for you, and you go, oh, wow. That's one of those moments. She's like, wait a second. He's not just your average Jewish guy. He knows something. Jesus, she says to him, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you, the Jews, say Jerusalem is the only place to worship. And Jesus says to her, soon, it doesn't matter where you're going to worship. He says, he says uh, the hour is coming and is now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And I had this verse put on the front of your bulletin, and I hope you'll look at it throughout the week, because Jesus replies, I who speak to you am he. Now think about this. There's this interaction going on. And then here, just a second, she says, whoa. He says, you have five husbands. The one you're with is not your husband. And she's like, whoa, I perceive you're a prophet. And he just says to her, no, I'm the Messiah. And at this point, the disciples return. And they're a little perplexed because Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. And, he, and they say to him, hey, you should eat something. And uh, 
I'm, I'm sorry. No one said, why are you talking to her? But the woman left her water jar, went away into town, and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town, and people were coming to him. So I'm going to skip a few verses. So, stay, yeah, so here we go. So then when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his, say that with me, word. Now I'm going to bounce around a little bit, but you stay with me. Many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said. Because we heard it from him. We heard him. And and we heard it for ourselves. We know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. I'm like, yeah, go Samaritans. There's people back in Jerusalem that are like, "Uh uh-uh, we talked about that last week with Nicodemus and some of the Pharisees. And these people who uh, just, anyway, throughout his ministry, Jesus revealed himself to some of the most unlikely people in some of the most unlikely places. And and through the Gospel of John, we're going to see some of these more and more. But his encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well is no exception to this. you got to understand, there were centuries of bitterness and disagreement that divided the Jewish people and the Samaritans. It wasn't just the Jewish people like, oh, we're we're prejudiced and and we're racist and we don't like them. This was was centuries of of disagreement. They lived near one another. They had a common heritage, but the Samaritans were a mixed race. They were Hebrew people whose ancestors intermarried with the Assyrians. They were a pagan enemy nation to God. And that's why the Jewish people put them out there like that and and just ostracized them the way they did. They developed a different culture. They even had a different place of worship on Mount Gerizim. And and so they they were just, they had all these, they tried to parallel their history. The the Samaritans, there was a part of them that tried to stay true to, to the Jewish culture, but the Jewish people wouldn't let them. Wouldn't let them worship in Jerusalem, so they had to make their own place to worship on Mount Gerizim, things like that. And what makes this whole scene mind-blowing for the disciples, they come back with food, and they're like, hey, we got whoppers or whatever, fish. And they come back with all that stuff, and, and they see him talking to this woman, and no self-respecting Jewish man would have, would have lowered himself to interact with a Samaritan, let alone a Samaritan woman. And this is still early in Jesus' ministry, and, and they're still getting to understand him. The Jewish culture dictated strict social division between men and women who weren't married, who weren't close relatives. It was just a respect thing. It was just, it was above reproach is what it was uh, to the extreme. And, and so they just didn't do it. But, but there's more to this conversation than Jesus just breaking cultural bar- barriers and, and social etiquettes and boundaries and stuff. This woman was an outcast even among her own people. She'd been married five times. She was living with a man who was not her husband. And so there's still this traditional, this conservative area, this traditional culture. And here we have a Jewish rabbi engaging in conversation with this Samaritan woman. And Jesus' conversation with her is doubly puzzling because it's the perfect opportunity for shame. It's the perfect opportunity for, for racial inequalities. It's the perfect opportunity for Jesus to tell her how wrong the Samaritans were years and years ago to intermarry and, and all this stuff. But not my Jesus. He doesn't do that. He wants a personal relationship. Even with you Samaritans. 
He wants a personal relationship. He speaks to her with love for her. He offers her salvation. John 4.14 says, he says to her, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And she came in the middle of the day to get her water. That means even the women of the city, her own people shamed her. She just wanted water to do her chores and instead Jesus heals her. I titled this sermon, The Healing of a Woman and a Boy. And and we're going to get to the boy part here in a second. You may be thinking, wait a minute, there's nothing wrong with this woman. She walked up to that well uh, of her own physical abilities and she was going to get water. And she even, Scripture says she ran back to town. There's nothing wrong with her. Maybe not physically. Spiritually, she was broken. Maybe even mentally. Uh, Jesus heals her heart. And more than that, wrap your mind around this. This married five times, shacking up with man number six, half-breed embarrassment of a Samaritan woman, is the first person that Jesus reveals his identity to as the Messiah. John 4, 25 and 26, the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Oh, man. If that doesn't just give you some hope, take heart. You see, by revealing his identity to this woman, Jesus is emphasizing his his interest in outcasts. He's showing the world his interest in people like us. He seeks out those who are broken. He seeks out those who are poor in spirit. He offers himself as living water to all who thirst for him. He says, here I am. Listen to this. I made a note concerning um, verses 25. And I wrote in here, I said, the the thing about the Samaritan woman, she believed the prophecy of Jesus. Because she said, hey, when the Messiah comes... He's going he's gonna to help us. She believed there was a Messiah somewhere that was going to come. She believed that. But at this point in her life, she didn't believe it enough to change the way she was living her life. History, culture said, hey, there's a Messiah coming. She said, yeah, you're probably not wrong. But for whatever reason, it didn't change her life. She's been married five times. I don't blame her solely for five divorces because it takes two people. But she's the only one in the story. And here's the thing. The narrative shows that, that she believed in the prophecy, but she didn't believe it enough to change the way she was living her life. We do the same thing. We believe the gospel. But do we believe it enough to allow it to change us? Do we believe the gospel enough to live out compassion for others? Do we believe the gospel enough to change the way we treat our spouse or the people that are at work or the way we treat ourselves? Do we believe the truth of God's word Like the Samaritan woman, still freely engaging in sin. She was living with a man who wasn't her husband. She changed her way of living to justify her sin. Rather than be accountable to her friends, she just started going to the well in the middle of the day. Because she knew the life she was leading was was sinful. Rather than be accountable, that's what she chose to do. She believed the prophecy, but not enough to change her lifestyle. Are you feeling it? Am I stomping on your toes yet? I'm trying. She was living with a man. Rather than be accountable to her friends, she just started going to the well midday. No one really went to the well midday to get water. It was an early morning task. How about you? When do you go get water? 
there's so much in this story about this woman. Now, I'm, I'm excited to say that when Jesus shares and reveals, and, and again, this, this woman that I know y'all are thinking, man, that was so hard of you to say those nasty things about that lady. You don't even know her. No, but Jesus knew her. And he said to her, hey, this is who I am, and I am the Messiah. And I already know. Stop coming to the well in the middle of the day. I already know all those things about you. She came as she was. And she met Jesus. She, that wasn't her plan. But she met Jesus and he said, I love you. And I'm going to give you the best water you've ever had. And she left. She ran back and she said to the people in the community, Hey, come meet a man who knew everything about me. I'm sure there's some people in the community going, Yeah, that's most of us. We know you. Yeah, <laughs> at least five. Know everything. Six. Know everything about you. We know. But that wasn't, it wasn't about no, look who knows my sin. She's like, look who knows my future. Yeah, he knows your sin. He knows what you're struggling with right now, but he also knows your redeemed, glorified future when you trust in him, when you come to him to be filled instead of drinking from the fountain that is the world. When, when Jesus seeks out those who are broken and poor in spirit and he offers himself as living water to all of those who thirst for him, are you thirsty yet? Speaking of thirsting for him, there's another man in this same, same chapter four. If you haven't read it, or if you have read it, go back and read it again. But, but towards the end of chapter four, um, John 4, 46 through 54, there's this man and he seeks out Jesus. Listen to this. Jesus returns back to Cana in Galilee. What he do in Cana? Water and wine. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you remembered that. I was scared for a second. Um, now, here's, there's an official who lives in Capernaum. He hears that Jesus is in Cana. He went to him. He told Jesus, hey, my son is near death. Will you come to my house? Will you heal my son? And, and Jesus says, you just want to see more signs and miracles. Until you see those things, you're just not going to believe. And this man just says, please, sir, come down before my child dies. He's like, I don't, I don't want to see your magic tricks. I just want my son to be well. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. So we're going to put a little pin in that. But he's coming down. And Jesus spoke these words to him. He just said, go. That's one of my favorite words. Go. Your son will live. And you know what the Bible says about that? It says the man believed and he went home. Now, here's the thing. The man traveled. I don't know how far he walked, but it says the next day as he's traveling home, his servants come running up to him. So the servants are headed towards him. He's headed towards home. He's walked a day. And his servants run up and they're like, hey, 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 hey. I think they're probably out of breath and pretty excited. Hey. And he's like, what, 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 what? <laughs> he said, they said, your son is healed. He is he, not. They didn't say your son is getting better. They didn't say, hey, little Billy's fever broke, but he still has that rash. Or They didn't say that. Your son is healed. And he said, hey, when did that happen? Just curiosity. And so one of them looked at like his sundial watch, you know, it was like yesterday at the seventh hour. I don't remember exactly the hour. But he says, they said yesterday, sorry, there was uh, the father knew that. Okay, just said that was the hour when, when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed it, at that hour. It's like, wow. And the Bible says this is the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Now, 
little side note, what's referred to as Jesus' Galilean ministry actually begins right here with verse 46 where he heals this man's son. All right? and, and some scholars, and this is just a, something I thought was kind of cool, some Bible scholars say they, they dated this event to have happened December A.D. 27. And, and so I just think, I thought that was kind of cool, something to mention. The miracle here is not so much the healing of the boy. Okay? We, we talked in the very first message here that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. We, we talked about that Jesus had power and, and, and had what he needed over all these things. The miracle here is the faith of the Father. This Father, Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. And the man believed the Word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Listen, most of us would have said, okay, Jesus, I want to believe you, but um, when I get home and I see my boy running around, then I'll, I'll believe. Because we live in that, we're like, we're like Missouri. Show me, show me, show me. It can't be that good. Show me, Missouri is the show me state. It's on a license plate, just letting you know, it must be true. But that's it. We're, when, when somebody wants to, to do something, we don't, we don't just go, faith is hard for us. Show me. Don't tell me. Show me. Hey, don't tell me about Jesus' love. Show me Jesus' love. That's how our world is. But right here, this man said, hey, I believe. And he started walking home to go see his healed up son so they could play baseball or whatever they played back then. Um, but in John chapter 4, we have two people. They're in two totally different cultures. They're in two completely opposite lifestyles. We have this woman and we have this official. And they both approached Jesus needing something. Both of them took Jesus at his word. To the woman at the well, he said, I am the Messiah. And she went and she told everyone in town. And they believed for the official who approached Jesus and asked him to come to his home to heal his son. Jesus said, go, your son will live. And the man left and he was on his way home. It was the next day. His servants met him to tell him that the son would live. And Jesus said, go, your son will live. And the man took him at his word without question, without begging him to come to his house to make sure his son would live. When he first approached Jesus, though, he said, hey, come with me. And Jesus said, no, go home. Your son will live. The man believed and he went. He didn't halfway believe. But I'll tell you this. When Jesus said, go, He went to his family and he went home and verse 53 says the father knew um, the father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him your son will live and he himself believed and all his household he himself believed and all his household how about you Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you believe that Jesus will do what he says he will do? He told the Samaritan woman, I am the Messiah, and she believed. He said, I am the water that you need, and she believed. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Do you believe that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God? He told her, verse 23 and 24, but the hour is coming and is now here. That means, hey, right here I am. I'm the hour. I'm here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit. Those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And she believed Him. She went away from Him, different than when she met Him. The official approached Jesus as a parent at the end of his rope, so to speak. His son is dying. 
We assume this man has done all he can physically do for his son. And then he seeks out Jesus. He approaches him as an official. That means he had some clout. He had some, some business sense. He was an official who was officially defeated is what he is. Because I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing worse as a parent than watching your child suffer through something that you can't do anything about. You can't make it go away. You can't change it. You can't make it better. And this broken man still has belief in the healing power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How about you? What do you believe about Jesus? Because whatever you believe about him will define how you live your life. As we come to your, our response time this morning, I want to challenge you with something. Like the woman at the well, I want to challenge you to bring your shame before the compassion of our Messiah. Let him fill you with the water of life. Come like the official. Bring your hurt. Bring your illness. Bring your pain. Bring your anger. Bring your lust. Bring your selfish desires. Let him heal your heart. The thing to remember, and this is just my opinion, is that oftentimes we go to God for physical healing. What we really need is spiritual healing. Your physical well-being on this earth isn't worth much if, if spiritually you're going to suffer in torment for eternity. I got to tell you something. Full disclosure, transparency, all that stuff. I will gladly live with cryofibrinogenemia here on earth. You're like, what? That's why I walk with a cane. Cryo means cold. Fibrinogen is a protein that clots your blood. My body makes too much of it. So the blood vessels, blood vessels only, clot without needing to. And when it gets cold, the blood vessels at the surface of my feet, at the skin, break open. And they got all these little sores and they're all exposed nerve endings, and they scream sometimes. I will gladly live with cryofibrinogenemia here on earth because one day I'm going to walk without pain as I approach the throne of God and I get to sing like we sang earlier today. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I'll take it. Because this is just borrowed material. I promise you at that time, our worst physical pain on this earth will not be remembered. So keep in mind, when we are petitioning God for a physical healing, more than likely we're in need of spiritual healing. I want to tell you, if you're in need of spiritual healing this morning, simply respond to God's word, to his invitation. He simply says, come. The woman at the well came just as she was, broken and messed up. The official came. I don't know what that looks like for you to just come. Maybe it's baptism for the forgiveness of your sins. To receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The baptistry is ready. Maybe you simply need prayer and accountability. The elders are here. They'd love to pray with you this morning. To talk with you. But whatever your response is this morning. Will you stand and sing our response song with us. And respond to God's word accordingly. I know what it says. I wrote it. Hey, it's been great to be here with you all this morning. But now it's time to go. Go to win. Commit to grow. I've shared with you two stories from the Gospel of John about two different people that at some level I think we can all relate to. I shared with you what they did. They both chose to go to win. The Samaritan woman went into town and told everyone. And John tells us the Samaritans heard Jesus and they were committed to grow in his word. I know this because they believed and asked him to stay longer. Hey, stay and tell us more. The official also chose to go to win. And when he got home, he told his family about talking to Jesus and he himself believed in all his household. So as you go this week, 
Go like the Samaritan woman and the official. Go believing that God's word is true. And with that belief, I challenge you to find someone this week that you can share our Jesus with. Maybe it's through telling this story. Maybe it's through being just a kind reflection of Christ in an unkind world. But will you be the one to share the living water with a dying, dehydrated world this week? Think about that as we sing our last song.